0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, it is good to be with you today as we conclude our original blessing worship series. And it's about letters, words, story, and then today... Meaning, The roadmap of original blessing, it began with God uh, created, a, this is a metaphor, uh, but God created an alphabet. God created an alphabet which offers us endless possibility through creative energy in that first moment of creation. And every English word that is or will be is a result of a seemingly infinite numbers of possibilities of those original Letters, those building blocks of everything that is, was, and will be. But those letters need to be arranged uh, into words, and words need negative space around them for context. If we don't have that negative space around words, the letters just don't make sense. We don't know where one word ends and another begins. So we need that negative space in our life as well. But then we are called through the creative way to put those words together to form a story so that we can tell our narrative, so that we can proclaim who Jesus is and why we are. But it doesn't end there. Today, we talk about the transformative way because all of those stories that we put together have meaning and they are to bring us into a place of holiness with God, to bring us into a place of newness, To bring us into a place where resurrection is realized. Our scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Uh, It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. (laughs) Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, "'What is this that I hear about you? "'Give me an accounting of your management "'because you cannot be my manager any longer.' "'Then the manager said to himself, "'What, what am I going to do? "'Now that my master is taking my position away from me, "'I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg.' I've decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as a manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, Hey, how much do I how much do you owe my master? And he answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Look, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, Hey, how, how how much does my master how much do you owe my master? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He, he said, okay, sit down, take your bill, make it 80. And his master, his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than they than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So that you may be welcomed into their eternal homes, a home of blessing, a home of safety, a sanctuary, if you will. Now, look, I promise not to talk about Disney's Encanto every week, uh, but I got I to open it up again. If you haven't seen Encanto, then you have a job to do this afternoon go subscribe to Disney Plus and check it out. It's such a great movie. Um, It's the story that really follows this original blessing pathway that we've been talking about. It starts with an original blessing, this creative act. There's this family that has been given a blessing. And this blessing literally creates the house in which they live in. It's this moment of creation. It creates the town uh, in, in which they live. And every person in the family has a superpower, One is super strong, another one has super hearing, another one can heal, another one can transform. It's just, it's a beautiful, it's Disney, right? It's just this beautiful kind of fairy tale place. But, but, they don't, there's one of them in the family that can tell the future. His name is Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Do you know that we don't, we don't talk about Bruno? Is the number one song in the country right now? That's so fantastic. I love that. Never mind the fact, like, for example, next week during the Super Bowl halftime show, I'm not sure how they're not gonna bleep out every word. I don't know how we're gonna hear anything. Uh, and, and, you know, much love to Snoop Dogg and Eminem. Like, they're on my workout playlist, like, but it's, I'm a grown up and it's just me hearing it. I love that we don't talk about Bruno is the number one song. There's a chord there, there's a nerve that's being touched with this movie, and it's fantastic. They don't talk about Bruno. This negative space, this less than perfect story of theirs, they hide away and they tuck away. They don't embrace this negative space to create words, as we've been talking about they hide it away, they tuck it away. And when friends, when you tuck away negativity and pretend that it's not there, when you take your imperfections and you shove them into a place where you think no one can see them and you ignore them, what happens? They explode and problems happen. We should name it and claim it and seek redemption and restoration and reconciliation. When we tuck it away and hide it, problems happen. And like with every Disney movie, problems happen, right? We don't talk about Bruno until you have to. And they do. And then what they discover is their powers are not as perfect as they thought they were. Like Louisa, who is Mirabelle's sister. And Mirabelle doesn't have a power at all. She's the main character. She's trying to figure out life. Her sister Louisa is super strong, but then her power starts to fade because she is scared of her own vulnerability. And it starts to consume her. And she tries to tuck it away. I can't be vulnerable. I have to be strong. I have to carry everything for the entire family. She's the middle sister, by the way. Any, any middle sisters here? Any mid, middle carrying the burden for the entire family? Yeah, does that sound familiar? She's afraid of her own vulnerability, and therefore she begins to lose her strength. And all of the powers, they start to, to fade because they're just not being honest with them. Remember last week I said the most important thing that a potter can make, the most beautiful thing that a potter can make is a potter. Not the pottery. It's the potter. But they can't see that. But ultimately, it's a story of transformation. About this home, this family a curious story. This, 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 this parable that we read, this is a curious story too. It's one of those, man, preachers avoid this story like the plague. Uh, because when you, at, at first blush, create for yourselves friends through dishonest wealth. Jesus, did we hear, it's like, it's like life of Brian, blessed are the cheesemakers. Did we hear that right? You know, No. But so this is what's happening. What's happening in this story is there's a transformation that is occurring. This dishonest steward is moving from one kind of economy into another kind of of economy. The word oikonomia, it is Greek for economy. And what it means really is household management. What is your economy as a follower of Jesus? How are you ordering your household? Well, it's one thing to order your household when you have a house. But what happens when there are disruptions? Maybe you lose a job or you lose your home or half of the staff is out because of COVID, hypothetically speaking. What do we do with these disruptions? Especially in this post-COVID world, we, we live in such a boat, like so last week we talked about state of the church, or the state of the church address, and some of the feedback was, it really wasn't a very specific preacher. It was kind of these big pictures. And if I had specifics, I'd put them on a platter for you and hand them out to you. There is no playbook for this post-COVID church. When you live in a world where two weeks ago Target didn't have any cheese, and when you live in a world where last week you couldn't buy biscuits in Bossier, and Brookshire's hasn't had Knob Creek in three weeks, what bozo world are we living in right now? There are disruptions in the supply chain. What do we do this? This dishonest steward is experiencing a disruption. The master said, hey, you can't be my master. You can't be my manager anymore. You're not dealing with my property the way that I want, I want you to. You're out. So I'm going to give you one chance to go and fix this. So the manager is experiencing disruption. This is what he says. I've decided I know what I'm going to do. When I'm dismissed as a manager, this is what I'm going to do so that people may welcome me into their homes. What an interesting phrase, to welcome me into their homes. And the story ends with eternal homes. In other words, when my economy is up a creek, it may be time to invest in someone else's. Economy. someone else's household. When my household is bankrupt, it may be time to think about other households. It's time to change economies. This story is about transformation. The parable doesn't make any sense if we are living in an economy of mammon, meaning stuff if we think the story is about money if we think the story is how to keep a supply chain going so that the target has cheese we're missing the point of the parable itself there's a transformation that's happening from an oikonomia from an economy of mammon of stuff and things and produce and product to an economy of manna that which god Provides from mammon, which is a world of scarcity, you know, scarcity, the philosophy that there's just not enough to go around, to an economy of manna, that which God provides, the philosophy of abundance. The story is about two economies coming to blows over one another, and the shrewd manager is caught right in the middle of it. When mammon has him dismissed, He trades it for manna. Or as Sam Wells uh, puts it, he puts it this way, he realizes that friends are more important than the money or even the job. He moves from mammon to manna, from an economy of scarcity and perpetual anxiety into an economy of abundance and limitless grace. One of the things I love about this parable is that there's so much we don't know. (laughs) And <laughs> which is the case for a lot of Jesus's parables? There's a lot of open ends uh, there that that we just the Bible just doesn't tie a bow on. It seems it seems counter to our rational selves when we read this story. You might think that the the, the manager is changing that the manager changing someone's bill is a bad thing, right? How much do you owe my master? A hundred bucks. All right, sit down and make it fifty. Almost imagine him with like I've seen the Godfather too many times to not see this as like this kind of like Godfather moment a hey, uh, how much you owe how much you owe the father I uh, make it 50 right this kind of thing it seems so dishonest now, and, and we know we have benefited from a bill being changed I don't know if you've ever experienced this but um, a couple years ago uh, we upgraded our phones and they they had a they had a, a bang-up deal at at and for us here's an iPad for ten dollars a month and we're like well heck yeah we'll take an iPad for ten dollars a month that's great Uh, What what we did not realize, however, is that the iPad was connected to the cellular service, not just Wi-Fi. So when we took a family vacation down south, my kids were on the iPad seemingly 24 hours a day for a whole week. So when we got the bill the next month, I'm a preacher, I exaggerate but I think it was something like $1,100. It, it, we added a digit because of the overages of data, right? And when you, I don't know about you nice people, but, but as, as, a, as a father of four, single income family, when you get a bill of over $1,000, you kind of throw up a little bit in your mouth, you know? You just kind of have a moment of wondering what exactly you're going to do. So, but, so we called AT&T, we got it figured out, we're like, hey man, look, my kids had the iPad, it was ba-ba-ba-bing, blah, 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 bada-boom, and they, they fixed the bill for us, and they like rearranged things. They sat me down and said, okay, how much do you owe us? A thousand dollars, sit down, make it 500, right? You know, and I'm thankful for the shrewdness of the AT&T Representative, it could be that in this story the manager is simply changing the bill, and it it could be that the bill is inaccurate, meaning that the um, the there's a moment of honesty here. So it it could be it could be that maybe the bill really is only fifty, but the dishonest manager was charging hundred and taking hundred or taking fifty off the top. See what I'm saying? It doesn't seem to be much off of the manager's back to say how much. What's your bill again? It's hundred. Oh, that's right. Uh, make it fifty. Because maybe that's what the original bill should have been. The manager's still getting all of his money, but the, ma- the master is getting all of his money, but the manager is not now getting his cut anymore. So maybe, maybe there's a moment of honesty, but we, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. What we do know is that the manager is changing the rules of the game. And what we do know is that the manager is commended because he's no longer investing in product or produce, he's now investing in people. He is changing his economy, from an economy of mammon and stuff and things to an economy of manna. He's changing his economy from the assumption of scarcity that there just isn't enough to an economy of abundance and fruitfulness. One of the reasons why Jesus's kingdom that Jesus announces is, is seemingly so, so irrational: The last shall be first. Blessed are the poor. The master hired, in the parable of the Vineyard, the master hired people early in the day, later in the day, later in the day, and then he pays them all the same at the end. This kingdom doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense if we're living in a world of Mammon. Jesus doesn't make sense in a world of Mammon. we have to be transformed, for our story to be about manna, the what is it from an abundant God. This kingdom shocks us and surprises us until it captures us. And then we realize that this kingdom is what it means to be alive. For example, near the end of Jesus' life, he gathers his disciples together and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's part of Jesus' farewell discourse in John's gospel. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we're living in a world of mammon and of stuff and of produce, and product, then we hear this word from Jesus as if it is exclusive. Like when God was making the heavens and the earth, he made the earth just too big and heaven just too small, so he sent Jesus to be a funnel so that only the best get through. Jesus as the cheesecloth of God. It doesn't quite make sense. When Jesus says, I am the way, what he's talking about is suffering. Jesus is on the way to the cross. When Jesus says, I am the way, the image that we should see is of literally a roadway. During Jesus' time, you know the saying, all roads lead to... Anyone want to take a... Rome, thank you, all roads lead to Rome, yes? You know the saying? All roads lead to Rome. But Jesus is saying, you think that all roads lead to Rome. You think that all roads lead to earthly power and success and domination in the Pax Romana, a peace that is built on fear. All roads lead to- no, I am the way. But they also know well and good that every Roman road in Jerusalem was littered With crucified people. That's what the Romans did. When you were causing trouble, when you were making problems, when you were trying to change your economy from the mammon of Rome to the manna of God, they put you on a cross and put you on the roadway so that people could see you and deride you and shame you. Jesus said, I am the way. Or if you're a fan of Mandalorian, this is the way. Yeah? Jesus also says that he is the truth. When Jesus was arrested and he was sitting with Pilate, Pilate asked him, what, what is truth? And Jesus told him, truth is that which is, is something you belong to. <coughs> Excuse me. The truth is not mental assent. The truth is not a set of doctrines. The truth is something you belong to. And Jesus is going to the cross so that you belong in his body, that you are wrapped up into God's greatest gift of Jesus. I am the way, the way of suffering, the way of the cross. I am also the truth, that to which you belong. But then Jesus says, I am also the life. I am the life. Now, there is a bit of a funnel before we write letters to the bishop when I talk about the funnel of God, Jesus being there. There is there is a pruning. We will all meet Jesus, I'm convinced. We will all meet Jesus face to face. And it's not that some of us are sheep and some of us are goats. It's that we are all both sheep and goat. And when we meet our judge, who is also the one who dies for us, the goatiness of us, if you will, is burned away and refined and pruned, and everything that is in us that is not forged in love won't continue on. So it's not that your ledger is off and therefore you're not getting in. It's that some of us need to be pruned a bit more closely than others. But thank God that our judge is also the one of grace and the one of love and the vine to whom we are connected as a branch. It may seem ironic for the way of suffering and death to also be the way of life, as Jesus says. But understand, in the moment moment that God created life was the very same moment that God was accountable to something other than God. In the moment that God created life, it was the very same moment that God was now accountable to something that wasn't God. And when you are accountable, when you are in relationship, we suffer one another. We listen to one another. We are in communion with one another. And this is the way of love. Now, I remember when Isabel was born, uh, 14 short years ago, just feels like yesterday, 14 years ago when Isabel was born, I thought I had a pretty good handle on what love was, right? Christy and I were in love, we were married, and I've been taught that marriage is 100% to 100%, not 50-50, 100% to 100%. And I I mean, I'm not great at math, but 100% is the maximum, right? But then you have a child, And it's not that you now have to take, like, 20% away from your spouse and now, like, love your kid with 20% or eight. It, it's 100% to 100% to now 100%. And it's because love is abundant. Love is, is never divided. Love multiplies. Love does not offer a diminished return. Love also hurts. Love keeps us up at night. Love leads us to offer ourselves without thinking twice. In other words, love means to suffer in the best of ways. When Jesus holds intention that a way of suffering to the point of death is also the way of life, it is wisdom, not contradiction. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, meaning that the community to which we belong suffers one another in love, and this passion is what it means to be alive. So back to Encanto. Mirabel, main character of the story, has no magical gift, and the house is crum- crumbling around them to the point where it is utterly destroyed. It is raised to the ground. So she runs away, thinking that it's her fault. Because when she talked to Luisa, her older sister, she started to lose her strength. And when she talked to Isabella, who is perfect, and she only blooms flowers, started blooming cacti and pointy things. And she thought it was her fault. After all, that prophecy from Bruno had her in it. until she realizes that it's not about the gift that you produce, it's about realizing that you yourself are the gift. You are always more important than the work you produce. That's what it means to live in an economy of manna. If we are only living in an economy of mammon, you are what you produce. You are your paycheck; that is your value. But not in the kingdom of God. Not when we transfer our economy from mammon to manna. And at the end of the story, she realizes that her true gift is holding the family together. And they bless her with uh, they they rebuild the house without magic. The town shows up and helps them rebuild. And there is Mirabelle at the end of the story. They give her a gift of a doorknob. And they say, let us in. Let us into the home, Mirabelle. You, you have helped us see who we are. And she looks in the doorknob. This is beautiful. She looks in the doorknob and her grandmother, abuela, her abuela, asks her, what do you see? And she looks in the doorknob and says, I see me all of me. You are the gift. You are God's original blessing. You are why God loves. We are called to share that love with one another through the positive way of creation, through holding an appropriate negative space, through the creative way of recognizing that the most important thing a potter makes is a potter, through the transformative way of recognizing that it's not what we produce, but it is we who are the blessing. And may we see one another in the exact same way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.